Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, bienvenue, and welcome to episode 154 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name remains Grant Howitt, and indisputably I'm joined by my best and tallest friend, Christopher Taylor. Oh, hello. Uh, there, is, there is an ongoing, I suppose an ongoing theme with our introductions, where Chris and I don't do much. It's a mental war. We're not plugged into current media. We don't have rich social lives, especially not anymore. And we we don't get up to the sort of japes which, uh, which generate introduction quality um, anecdotes. And so we were discussing what we were going to talk about. And dear reader... Dear reader, I legitimately thought, oh, we changed over we changed over our project management system this week to, from, from Trello to Asana. I could talk about that. And I want you to kill me. <laughs> I want you to come into my house when I'm sleeping and drag me through to the bath and finish me. <laughs> and then that, kill me. Now, that's not what you said. <laughs> Just finish me off in the bath. Now, this, this has taken a turn. The French call it the little death. I'll tell you, there's nothing little about about it when I do it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we, like all of you, um, we have had a week which has at best been dull. It's, I think that's it's probably definitely the best been thing. contained. Mm, it's been a week. Um, now, um, the, the, the high points of it were dull, the low points of it were heartbreaking. It's been a difficult week. Even for those of us who are not seeing America rip itself... We were not part of America ripping itself in half. It's something which we can't really avoid talking about. However, I think we're far enough away from the problem that we can continue to release a show. Yes. Yeah. So, look, things are bad. We're going to try and, we're going to try and maybe have a nice time talking about, about games for a bit. And we'll see how it goes, yeah? Yeah. 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 Should we just use um, that to segue neatly into questions? Yeah, that sounds great. Give me some questions, man. <laughs> okay. Evil Scary asks, what's an RPG setting you'd love to play or gym, which you've not found anywhere yet? Yeah, so, I mean, we've answered this question a couple... Well, no, sorry. We've answered the question, which is like, what? what's your favourite licensed setting that you'd like to have? Mm. And I think that, like, if there's an RPG... This is going to sound hugely um, Sorcerer King when I say this next bit. <laughs> okay. But um, if if there was a world I wanted to inhabit, I would have dreamed it. <laughs> I would have simply built the world using my world creation tools. What, your, uh, your typing fingers? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And my thinking brain. I, <laughs> so I, just, I feel. I th- <laughs> it's a very small domain. I look. I I I I make role playing games as do you, and so like if we're really keen to do something, we generally like do it, yeah. unless unless we haven't thought of the idea first, but or like, it, or it seems hard. There's something to be said for you, you know how when you're cooking, mm-hmm. 
it tastes better and you're more interested in the food if somebody else has cooked it. Absolutely. There's that, but games? I guess it's a surprise. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that you knew what you were getting into when you sat down at a table to potentially have quite an emotional experience with people. Okay, true. But it's a surprise in that you didn't write it. <laughs> yes. So you don't know all the ins and outs of the system. Yeah, no, that's And it's like, true. oh, okay, that's an interesting way of challenging that, of handling that challenge. That's kind of cool. A bit like when you know, like when you when you go and get a, a fry up. Mm. I don't care if I've cooked a fry up myself. I might as well throw that hard into a wall, American Beauty style. <laughs> and give a shit. But if someone else makes me a fry up, perfect. Delicious. And also, yeah, the amount of times when you've cooked yourself a fry up in the morning, and you go, "Chris, I had a fry up," and you're very yeah, excited. True. Generally, generally, that's because I've gone out for a fry. That's true. I don't, I don't, yeah, I think a lot of this comes down to the fact for me that there's so many games out there with weird settings that I just wouldn't mm. have thought of. Mm. And I mean, honestly, Ichio, I'm looking at you. Like, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of stuff in there that's actually quite good that I would never have considered. No. Um. Like people, you know, people do historical games where they're, they're not funny. Like fairly, fairly accurate historical games. It's I ended up in a Vampire the Dark Ages game. Ah, no, no, you see Vampire. That's fantasy. Oh, sorry, yes. Well, I mean, like, I mean, it was fantasy, but it, but also one of the guys was like, oh, no, you're, you're, uh, you're doing your accent wrong. That's not what French people sounded like. <laughs> Amazing. It's like, I'm pretty sure they didn't sound like Australians, mate. <laughs> Maybe they did. Which is what you sound like. Yeah, that's fair. Um, no, yeah, yeah, it's tr- true. We were un- immortal wizards. Mm. So, um, yeah, some people play just normal... Just like straight fantasy. That's a thing. Yeah. Well, not sorry, not st- straight his- sorry, history. Yes, sorry, yes, straight history, not fantasy. Mm. It's a weird scene. I don't know why you'd... Do- I don't know why you'd put... I don't know why in, a, in an option to have wizards you wouldn't pick them. Exactly. And I, I kind of want to try it just to... Just a C? No, it's bad. But I don't know that. Well, okay. I might the great love thing it. about fantasy. Oh God, I hope you don't. The great thing about fantasy is you can't get it wrong. That's very now, true. Yep. Now, now, legions of Star Wars fans beg to differ. <laughs> but you can't, you can't get it, um, you can't get it incorrect in as much as oh well, it happened in this way, and you've written it down wrong. Mm, yeah. It's all it's all it's all made up, and so you can be like, "Oh, a wizard did it." Oh, we can keep inventing stuff. Whereas, like, oh, actually, oh, there weren't Chromian forces in this area at this time. That's incorrect. Now, for the timeline to make sense, you do have to be in Saxon B by three p.m. Mm. Otherwise, history will fall apart. Now that's more exciting. Yeah, actually, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like, because because I, I, I was I was working on a on a game called. Um, was it Time Police? No, sorry, it was it was it was Temps, where you were you were the like the, the standard gag where you play unpaid part time interns. Mm. Uh, but it was a LARP in London City Centre where you went around the circle line. We told you you'd gone back in time, uh, and we had. We <laughs> I mean, had, honestly, like, I've been on the circle line. It's believable. Yeah, we had uh, chrono goggles, which made everything look as though it was from the twenty first century. Otherwise, you'd go mad. <laughs> so you got like idiots on the tube with goggles on. And jumpsuits. Oh, strong. And and one goalie glove, which is their handgun. <laughs> you monster. Now, 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 the thing about 
important historical figures. You could always tell an important historical figure because they'll be they're the ones wearing a hat. <laughs> That's really useful actually because nobody else in London wears hats. Very few people wear hats. Listen, no one wear these fucking hats. <laughs> Was it a hat like, but with like a powdered wig on top? Look, a lot of the important historical figures will have to be Abraham Lincoln or other famous hat wearers. <laughs> I guess Beethoven could work as well because he had that wig. Yeah. But neither of them were big in London. No, that's true. And Boudicca didn't... Well, she had a helmet. Point is, you um, you went and you explored um, this... This, uh, you know, the, the the history, and you did you did some learning about about London, which was entirely false. Did you make false. edutainment? No, it's like... If, if anything, it's the opposite of education because it's not real. <laughs> okay. Like... I think it might confuse people as to what actually happened in history. In 1700, this is where I stamped on a poor person and they turned into a dragon. Wow, did you hear hear what Chris Tarrant just said? (laughs) Is is he still alive, Chris Tarrant? I don't know or care. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But the the point with that was was that uh, you you were fighting against the... um, the the Pinkerton Bureau, right? Who were who? Uh, what was the guy? Who were established in twenty sixty three as a as a as as a, as a time traveling police force to, to to shore up American interests, right? And so, like like the the Americans were going, the Pinkerton Bureau were going around destabilizing important events by mainly by changing out hats. <laughs> and so you had to like you had to sort of put on the right hat and then take on the role of important historical figures to, uh, oh, to okay. smooth over I th- history. Sorry, I thought like the idea was you had to sneak into like Abraham Lincoln's quarters. And just mm-hmm. just take away the iconic, iconic hat, and just mm-hmm. slide in a flat cap, and he just loses all import. That's 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 one option. I think like it was mainly hat based. It was there. There was light stealth. There was um, some pageantry, and I quite like the idea of a historical game where you have to stop the past coming undone, mm. like an old pair of trousers. But I think the, the, yeah, the issue there is that again, it, that's not just straight historical. Which no, that's true. Could which which apparently is a thing you want in theory be fun. No, my point is I haven't tried it, so I can only guess that it won't be fun. That's true. Well, I think you make a pretty informed guess. Yeah, it won't be fun. But, yeah. yeah, I hmm, I would like to have. I'd like to have some more shit sci-fi. There's not enough shit sci-fi in the world. Like, and by shit, I mean you sort of red dwarfs in that everyone's crap rather than it's badly written. Yeah, this is terrible. I want it. I think Mothership comes close. It's a bit... Um, it's a bit gritty. It's a little bit gritty. Yeah, it takes itself a little bit too seriously. Like you can I think, die in that. I mean, that's going to be part of it. I think like the, the cheapness of human life is, is a gag I want to play on. Yeah, but like... The point in Red Dwarf and things like that is it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. Well, yes, I think that I'd like to see like th- th- there's a vast array. Oh, like um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm. Where's the like the the first hit the first I'm gonna say first two books in the in the pen trilogy pen, pen five book series are role playing games broadly mm. like you could follow the plot in terms of like getting everyone together and having this having this weird band of characters just ricochet around the around the galaxy at random hearing jokes and i wa- i worry that maybe you'd have to be douglas adams to make it work possibly yeah 
Very few people are Douglas Adams. None. It, yeah, so. it's, it's, for the past decade what? or so, it's been increasingly difficult to be Douglas Adams. There's a Adams. gap in the market, I suppose. Yeah, that's a niche to yeah, fill, isn't it? I would like to see bad sci-fi, and like, like the stakes can be high, I guess. But I really want, I want a group of a group of idiots, and maybe like one th- competent person. I think one thing of. I want to see, actually, mm. coming from that, is comedy games. Not, oh, it's hard, not silly games. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, I know. I'm sure it is. That's one of the reasons why we haven't done one. Well, we haven't done a straight comedy game. Your, your use of the phrase straight comedy is interesting. Sorry, a pure comedy game. I've written a bunch of games which push comedy. Yes. And there are there are some silly setups in the in the oh you're playing bears or oh you're playing kobolds or what have you. But mechanically, I'm quite proud of what I've managed to do. Yeah, I, However, I'm going to argue that like a lot of things like like Honey Heist and that sort of end of spectrum, Jason Statham, tend towards the wacky. Look, there's no Friends the RPG. Well, no, you said comedy. Oh. Zing. Ooh. Hot, relevant takes. Yeah, well done, man. Thank you. That, that, that'll get him off the air. Mainly, mainly, I tried to watch it recently. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, did you? Yeah, I thought, I remember Friends is good. Because I'd last watch it when Friends was on the air. Yeah, yeah, And so I, not... I pressed play and I got 10 minutes and I went, oh, fuck. Did you start at episode one? Yes. That's a bad plan. I, I mean, they're still establishing characters. Yeah. So bad. Anyway. Mm. I, yeah, fair play. But like, there's Primetime Adventures, which does TV rather than comedy. Yeah. Um, and there's Skullduggery, which does Yes Minister. Mm-hmm. But I would argue not super smoothly. No. And so, yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think the the challenge of of doing a straight comedy RPG is how. Well, no, that's that's not that's not out of the realms of possibility. I mean, there's Fiasco, which does something along those lines, which I'd argue is probably the closest thing we've got. I guess, in, but in what the, that it's a black comedy? Yeah, RPG. what that does is that sets up improv. Yeah, and that's that's literally all it does. Like it's this big open space so you have to, to allow you to do improv in. You have to like stats for Ross and Rachel, and like and like uh, like movement ranges for Gunther, that sort of thing. You, you want Gunther? a D and D style campaign? Sorry, Who's Gunther. He's the owner of Central Perk. Oh, the coffee shop. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The seventh friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, isn't it? Sorry, Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he nearly marries Phoebe in the later seasons. Oh right. Yeah, he's great. Uh, your knowledge of Friends is encyclopedic. Man, I used to actually watch it. Oh right. Okay. I, I I tuned in for the um, for the for the for the final episode. It was very it was very emotional. It was also it was also the day before my first hangover. <laughs> it was very exciting. Perfect. So 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 I want Red Dwarf and you want Friends. I don't want Friends. I want, as I say, I want like something funny. Because Friends okay. isn't funny. No, Friends is not funny. Okay, all right, that works. I mean, you. So do you want an engine for generating yeah. these sort of things, or do you want and like, I, I, like and the setting the thing, is like, funny? That's that's why I'm saying like, what like, the question was? What's an RPG setting you'd love to play or GM that Ooh. you've not found anywhere yet? And like, give me give me an example of the, of, of a show that it would be emulating. I don't know, honestly. Like, I, I don't I, I don't know which one I'd nail it down to. Like, if you go nineties 
BBC comedy, you're looking at mm-hmm. generally farce and ridiculousness. Yeah, some sort of 2.4 children. Yeah, I mean like... A little bit birds of a feather. And you look at the, the, the modern end of, of Netflix at like Good Place, things like that. Mm. Like that's there's a lot of very clever jokes in there. Like mm-hmm. that sort of Good Place, Parks and Rec, that, that mm-hmm. era. Um, I think that's easier because there's a kind of plot going along. I'm going to push something forward here. Do you want Peep Show the RPG? I think that would be the most awkward thing ever, and God, yes. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, I remember you tried to get me into Peep Show on several occasions, and I'm just not strong enough. Oh, it hurts me so good. Like, like, because you could use you could use um Wraith the Oblivion <laughs> mechanics in that one player plays your shadow, which is your internal monologue. But I quite like the idea that your internal monologue is not you. Yeah, like um, just play better angels. We'll take out yeah. the superpowers. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, that's kind of interesting. And you've got like uh, like there's that um there was that LARP someone put together. Uh, I think that dame walked into my office where you play um like well, you, you you've got a dame uh, a private investigator and then the private investigator's narrator. Okay. Are different a different players. That's kind of cool. And and he just sits in the backpack of the private investigator, whispering in his ear. <laughs> You gotta have a little guy, a little tiny, tiny person, little tiny guy. Okay, cool. I'm gonna ask you a question. Please do. This question comes in from RPG Design, um, and it's posted by. I'm sorry. What was that? Okay. H L J S B S L N M C. Okay. Attributes of monsters. For those making games with monsters that also have a small set of attributes for all characters, do you use the same attributes for monsters the same way D&D does? Or do you have a different set for monsters, like eliminating intelligence or charisma? Or do you not use attributes for monsters altogether? Just wondering what people's thoughts are on this for their own games. I mean, generally we do different a different set. We do, yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I'm not sure I like the, or do you do a different set for monsters, like eliminating intelligence or charisma? That's an interesting choice. Like eliminating essential humanity. Yeah, like, let's take away all that sort of stuff. They can still talk. Yes, but they they, they can't woo you. Mm, That's idiots. I think think that, like, this, also, that that has a very specific view of monsters. Yes. Uh, Which is like, well, they're not intelligent or charismatic. Yeah, well, like we're at the we're at the grotesque, killable end of the spectrum, mm. rather than the skeleton and down, simply adversarial. Mm. So, this is this, this is something which which I, which we really struggle with as designers. I thought maybe we could talk like sort of maybe talk a bit intelligently about it here, oh. or at least at least for a while. <laughs> and set a clock on five minutes and see how we go. There you are, boss. So, one of the one of the one of the exciting things about D and D three from what I can recall, like reading on the on the forums, because I wasn't really around for the launch of it, was um, previously monsters and um, and characters had different stats. They had different mechanics for resolving things. Is that correct? I want to say yes, but honestly, like yeah. it's been so long since I've even tried to look at second edition. Yeah, it's fair. But it's, it's I, a, I don't want a, to make any hard advice. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Go on, yes. Okay. God, 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 I hope I'm right. <laughs> um, because at that point, you could, like, 
because everyone was everyone was using the same rules, there was a real clear understanding of power. And how they how the systems interacted. Yes. Uh, and so you ended up with dragons who were effectively very high level player characters. Because they had they, they had some of the same spells that the player characters had access to. They were rolling dice to attack you the same way that players would. So everyone was operating on a level playing field, in, but people had more points to invest or whatever. Mm. But I put it to you that this is a bad plan. I think it is a good plan if you're looking to up the page count of your book. Oh, absolutely, yes. Because, oh boy, you can just make a stat block real big by listing every we- spell. And we need 25 different kinds of... Sorry, 50 different kinds of dragon. There's too many kinds of dragon. There's five, there's five shiny, five matte. <laughs> uh, or chromatic, Three satin. Call them. Three satin. Um, one uh, gloss, <laughs> two uncoated. And some, textured, and, be, and some textured ones. You can get spot colour on your dragon for an extra three pence per dragon. This one glows in the dark. I really recommend it, yeah. Now, these dragons are perfect bound. <laughs> the American letter... It's a very good way of, of, of making your book longer, but also having a, a unifying system which runs through everything. Yeah. Um, but I think having that unifying system means that you have to start defining things. You have to start. You have to start defining a lot of things as well. So it's like so it matters how quickly the dragon can fly, rather than oh, the dragon can fly. Cool, yeah. dragons can fly. It's got wings. Why not? And you end up in this. You end up, I think, in in this difficult space where there's a right and wrong answer for things, rather than well, leave it up to the GM, which is what like second, like was what first and second had left a lot of the game up to. Yes, yeah, it, it placed a lot more onus. I was going to say trust, but I think that's probably the wrong word. Mm. A lot more of the weight on a GM. But I yeah. think there was a very interesting thing with D and D because when it became third edition, it was the first real big thing by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, that's true. They bought it out from TSR, didn't they? Yeah, and it is so evidently a follow-on from Magic the Gathering. Ooh, why do you say that? Um, essentially, the invention of keywords. Like, keywords suddenly infiltrated Dungeons & Dragons in 3rd edition. There were, there were typed bonuses, there's ti- which we never there's had There's typed bonuses. Everything on both sides of the battlefield is perfectly codified and uses the same mm. rules. Yeah, it's just fair. that one person has a different deck to the other. Mm. Um, third edition, and honestly, all editions following it are are Hasbro. Like they're noticeably mm. Hasbro. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't have that sort of. They don't have that same level of grime, which first and second had. Like they, they don't have the 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 fog of war, the mist, as it were, mm. which is like like there's there is. Uh, I'm going to use I'm going to use the phrase "perfect" in not to mean the absolute best, but like self-contained. Mm, yes. Yeah. No, I get and you. Uh, I mean, and, and part of the problem with that is you run up against the um, the fact that, like, as far as D and D is concerned, mechanically, story doesn't exist. Yeah. There's no such thing as story. Like, like you know, there's there's elemental good and evil. There's there's the there's the metaphysical weight of coin, but there's no oh, this is a story. So that, that, that's why it's happening, and that's all just sort of shoved onto the outside. Yeah. So people have the um, there's there's the impression that like this is the first time someone's thought to make a, pre- a peasant railgun. This is the first time someone's thought to oh, actually. I'm just going to use this fifth this fifth level spell to produce ten thousand forks every hour. Yeah, in in AD and D, you had a game, right? You had a, yeah. you had a role playing game. It was okay. I'm not saying it was good, 
It was okay. It was important. It was important. It was it was good for the time, etc. And now now when when Wizards of the Coast get hold of it, suddenly you've got combo decks, mm. and you've got card card exploitation. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with the card mechanic. Mm. Um, analog here. Um, and essentially, one of the problems with it is that you never saw a ban list. <laughs> like that's interesting. Yeah, because it wasn't competitive. You needed like third ed and up needed a ban list, and it mm. needed a it, it got errata, but obviously it was hidden behind a leopard in a basement un, like, in a toilet. It, it, it got a whole edition of errata. Yeah, it was fucking hidden. Yeah, but like once the book's out, finding the right, errata yeah. was a nightmare. Sorry, sorry. Three point five. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I can tell us mainly to fix druids. <laughs> well, it didn't. Nope. Um, Best class. But it needed it needed blocks. It needed rotations. It needed mm. you needed to you needed to get rid of old data and just use certain bits of data because it became so unwieldy and it wasn't mm. patched. It no. wasn't banned. So you can have peasant railguns and like when they put in a. When they were putting, when they were putting in quotation marks cards into the system, i.e., wondrous items, mm-hmm. at no point anyway they go, hmm, to counter of endless water, will this derail every campaign it's in? Nah, nah. But it's, it's a stupid, it's a stupid card. It's it's a it's a gorgeous magic item, but not in D and D. No, not in a world where you have to deal with physics. It's pure story. The decanter of mm. endless water, yeah, and it's in a system where no, you can't have that. Mm. Um, the immovable rod, mm-hmm. the immovable rod is a fucking nightmare. It's wonderful magic item, absolutely stunning. But within mm-hmm. the system of D and D, it's terrible mm-hmm. because the Earth or whatever planet they're on rotates. We have to assume. We have to assume. Although I suppose, seeing as the immovable rod doesn't rotate with the Earth. We have to assume that it doesn't. Right, but like, it doesn't say that. It says it locks in place. It locks in place then, in space. Well, I guess it, it, it locks in place relative to the relative to the globe, or the D&D universe is not heliocentric. But it is, because it's got seasons. Well, the seasons are brought there by wizards. <laughs> but like... If- Four times a year, the wizards come around, but the seasons in their cart. There is space within, within all the, the game, killing for all somebody the to assume that the second you click the button on a move rod to stop it moving, it then mm-hmm. instantly destroys buildings around the planet because of how fast the, the planet is spinning. There's, yeah, there's space in the game to assume, but also I would figure that's such an important thing it would be covered in the item description. Right, but what I'm saying is that that's a. St- the, the the immovable rod is a story thing, yeah. And D and D is not a story rules game. No, that's fair. Like I'm just using it as an example. It's like a, the it's a physics game. Thing. Like there's yeah. wiggle room, a simulation. Yeah. Right. Imagine you're playing a card in Magic: The Gathering, mm-hmm. and it just says, uh, "On on playing this card, you get off with the other sorcerer's wife." <laughs> <laughs> Right, but <laughs> there's no end game effect. Within Magic: The Gathering, mm. nothing. Yeah, that's, and Magic: that's The Gathering effect. is in no... theory replicating a battle, like a narrative battle between two two, two wizards. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the story. That's that's what it's meant to be. Yeah, 
And that's the decanter of endless water. Yeah, that's entirely fair. So, quite aside from peasant railguns uh, and infinite forks, this is not what the question was about. It was not about the uh, the inherent flaws in Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. It was about monster stats. No, it kind of was, but I got sidetracked into into a rant. Um, mm. th- third edition codified everything, and it mm. made it it made it tighter. I'm not saying it perfect it perfected it, but it made it like mm. like a trading card game. It made it like tournament worthy. Yeah. Um and used all of the attributes and every bit of detail that the players did for monsters. Mm. And that's dull. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's not useful information. Fourth had pushed right back against that. Yeah. And it was like it was like, okay, you don't need to know about the ecology of goblins. What you need to know about is how many are you fighting? Yeah. What are they like? Uh, like what what sort of tactics do they use? And as far as far as the party cares, all those the only reason those goblins exist is so you can kill them. Fourth edition was so self aware. Mm. He knew exactly what it was. And it was it was a glorious thing. It really was. It was fun to play. Now the fights did go on a long time. I think I think it was more fun for the gym than the players in some cases. I'm not sure. But, I'm not. I, I think that's kind of down to your group. But yes, yes, that's fair. Um, but the the reduction in attributes and data for monsters. Monsters no longer got daily spells. Yeah, they got they got spells which recharged. So it, so it kept it exciting. And like, oh, well, I get this fire breath back. Mm. It was a really good move for me. Mm. Um, and as we've said before, like we use a completely reduced set of statistics for monsters. Yeah, plus they never roll dice. Yes. In the plus resistance system we have done yes, stuff so they yes. do. Um, yeah, we do. I mean and like uh, like Unbound, for example, like they have they have a much much lower thing. Yes, so much, like a, a much lower thing. A much lower thing. It's nearer the ground. Writer Grant Howard go on yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all you need to do is is especially since the the question asker is using the word specifically here monster. Mm. I realise that that's common vocabulary for referring to enemies. Yeah, um, like there's a reason we tend to use the word adversary rather than yeah. monster, because a monster is something that is just killing. You just kill it. Yeah, um, an adversary is something different. Can include humans and innocents and all sorts of weird it. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but reducing the the data on a monster takes the cognitive some cognitive load off of the GM. Mm-hmm. It makes it easier to instantly pass a stat block. Mm. Reduce it like you. It's easier to memorize. Like once you've played a campaign for a month, and you've used goblins every time, mm. you probably know what the stats for goblins are, or at least can Not approximate them really closely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, reduce as much as you can. Mm. They always reduce. Like if you if you're coding something, you're not going to write six thousand lines of code when four lines of code would do. Uh, I think like you don't need to like no one needs to know what the dragon's wisdom is. You know, unless you're in a game where you're going to attack wisdom. Unless you're in a game, well, that's that's the thing. Like, if, if you're in a game where you, where you can do wisdom damage, certainly it's a pretty yeah. rare spell to have. And I think the chat, like the issue with like if you if you stat your monsters the same as your as your player characters, then you end up with like you've got a whole stat 
block of edge cases. Yes. Yeah. And there are, and seeing as you have a, seeing as you have a, like a, a human hand at the reins, you have you have the game master, and you have the players able to make intelligent de- de- decisions. There's so much of the stuff you can boil down to. Okay, they're level three, so they add three to their rolls. Yeah. And in 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 these three circumstances, they do something else. But you need to think how they like how they interact with the players, how they interact with the story. So like they can be completely different. Now it will make defense hard. <laughs> I will say that. But you shouldn't feel I think giving them some stats is good, and I think the fewer you give them, the less real they feel. And also the more the DM has to cope with. Yes. The more the DM has to use their their precious clock cycles on mm. dealing with monsters rather than dealing with stopping Jeremy from being a prick. I think in 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 player character terms, generally what you do is you come up with the reason why they have plus five to a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sorry. You, you uh, for player characters, you pick the oh, I've got I've got the sharpshooter, ta- uh, the sharpshooper. I have the sharpshooter, accurate talent, which means that I add, which means that I add plus five to my d one hundred rolls when I when I aim. And a d one hundred, you say, not as we found out in a game today, a d fifty two. Simple and intuitive d fifty two. An intuitive D fifty two system. Yes, right, mate. Yeah, <laughs> simply roll to determine what week of the year it is. Yeah. So um, with characters, you with characters you go fiction it's first. That, so yeah. it's, I'm interested in 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 this ability, which is rationalised in these ways. I've got the fiction for, for for adding that up, and then mechanically that's expressed in these ways. Whereas with monsters, you're like, cool. These guys have to have plus five. Why? And you're explaining mechanical decisions. Um, as fiction, rather than explaining fiction decisions as mechanics. Does that all make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, sure, why not? It's, it's, it's about time that drills start, so we're going to have to move on to the next section we're going of the to podcast have to with all haste. All. Okay. Um, if, if, if everyone's good here, you got your drinks? Okay, we'll be right back. Jingle. Did you ever want a game to exist? But not enough to make it yourself. JP writes in, Cavaliers and Courses, the game of mounted adventure I can run to stop my players turning up to every dungeon, infiltration, and masquerade ball with a horse. Now. Why are you trying to stop your players from doing this? Yes, lean in. I think a game where you have to have a horse. Or just have everybody else turn up with horses too. Make it a horsey (laughs) arms race. (laughs) Bigger and more skittish horses. <laughs> just like this one looks like a massive pit bull. Like it's hugely muscled. This horse. <laughs> it's brick shaped. <laughs> it's just somehow holding a baton and tapping it against his hand. That's incredible. <laughs> that one, that one's got a gun. <laughs> like the most threatening horse possible. At a masquerade ball. Oh, imagine the dancing. So. I love the idea that you you're kind of Pokemon trainers, but you have one big horse instead of a stable of of electric monsters. Yeah. So you've got one big horse, and we're looking at like these horses are not magical, but very strange. So like they can use sticks, 
they can like maybe one of them has a gun maybe they are like you got horse speed strength is a big one fear how and like and like the like kickishness mm-hmm. um champing <laughs> that sort of thing uh eye rotation and on one part of the game, you've got like the difficulties of of, of maneuvering this horse through these through these tense social situations, and everyone's got one. Yeah, because that, that's it's kind of like you know how in D and D everyone can fight. Yeah. Well, in this, the horse does it. <laughs> Kick him, Harold. No. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the 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 second is that you play a bit like dread. Uh, or uh, where you have some sort of mechanic where everything's going to go to shit. <laughs> like, it is going to get apps. It, it is going to go fucking bananas in here because all these horses are going to literally kick off. Oh, hang on. All right. Hang on. So, we take the dread mechanics. Right. And we upscale that <gasps> shit. You have I to... I hope you're thinking what I'm thinking. You, what you have to do is during the game, you have to play Rhino Hero. Because I was thinking Buckaroo. Okay, that's. That, I mean, that makes sense. But but Rhino Hero is a better game for this. Yeah. So you you have to. If you don't know Rhino Hero, what are you doing with your life? It's what it's one of the best games. <laughs> it's the best game. Um, you have to like build a building to get a superhero Rhino to move up it, and whatever doesn't matter. It's, it's a stacking game. It's like building uh-huh. a, a house of cards, but easier. Yeah, significantly easier in that it works. Yeah. Um, so every time you you do an action, you and you have to put at least one part of this tower up. Oh, that's delightful! The harder the action, you have to put more bits of the tower up, and yeah. thus the more likely it is to come crashing down around you. And when it comes crashing around you, that is just the moment when the GM takes control of your horse, as it just freaks the fuck out. I quite like the. Okay, so it maybe maybe push the horses off to one side. For a second. I think you could use this as quite an interesting mechanic for uh, Mexican standoffs. Yeah. Although, I guess, I guess it's just dread, isn't it? Well, what we're doing is dread. Like, like, I, think, I think Rhino Hero is better than Jenga, because it's quiet. And it's a better game. Yes, but yeah, Jenga is... You know, I'm trying to think what the good bit of Jenga is. There isn't a good bit of Jenga. It's just stress, isn't it? Yeah. That's all it it's is. Just, it's just uncomfortable and unpleasant for everyone involved, and also anyone nearby. And like with dread, there's no, there's no real tactics. Like there's different methods of removing a block and skill. And I guess, and, I, well, I guess, like, and like, you've got to pick which block to take out. Yes, but with Rhino, Rhino Hero, like, where do you put the white mm-hmm. in every single play, rather than just in the later plays of dread? And also. You've got things like, um, oh, I, I want to make this. Uh, I want to. I, I want to persuade this guy to join my side. All right, cool. That'll be that'll be a difficult place. So so you got to play. So you got a GM. The GM's handing out like relevant like relevant difficulty cards for all the actions people are making. And if you're playing with the expansion, like okay, okay, you want to do a social challenge. You got to hang a monkey on the top tower. Yeah. Like, Put a monkey on it. You've got to. You you've use. got to find the. The raccoon superhero move him, and he's like within the tower somewhere. You could try and piece piece him out without knocking it all down. I quite like. I think so. Listen, I don't want to rain on your parade, man. You know, you know, I hate doing that. I think what we might just want to do is play Rhino Hero. Yeah, I think that that the, the the whole sort of the horse chaos scenario. <laughs> 
Like I can't, I can't lie. I'm enamored with the horse, with the, with the horse chaos. Okay. Um, instead of Ryder here, you have you, you have a pot of water that you you put you put um you put a lid on mm-hmm. and put heat under it, uh, and then you add more and more salt to to lower the boiling point. The more actions you make, and when that pot boils over, everyone dies. <laughs> You have to have your hand right next to the pot at all times. Oh my god, yeah, it's very dangerous. I can't recommend you play this bad game. Monstrous. I do like the idea of bringing horses to everything. I worry that there's maybe a lot of GMing to to con- to continually remind people of the horses' states. <laughs> you know? Well, maybe they have their own personal buckaroos. Mm. So everybody's got a buckaroo representing their horse. The game of romantic intrigue. Fuckaroo. <laughs> 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 I'm just imagining the plastic model. It's got a little gimp mask on. <laughs> little holes for his for his for his, uh, for his ears. I I yeah, I think that I I, really, I I love the idea of having a horse both D and D game. And we indeed we've talked about this several times in the podcast before because I hate them so much. Yeah. Um, but I worry that maybe this is not the best option. I'd like to put forward a different a different pitch. Okay. Uh, which is from Grey Darling. He says, You're vampire hunters, but rather than trying to kill them, you need to bite them with your anti-vampire fangs to turn them back. Okay. Hmm. So there's a level of infiltration there that wasn't possible before. Yes, you never get you never get rehabilitation. You probably do. There's been a lot of vampire literature which I'm not personally aware of. Yeah. You rarely get rehabilitation, except in the first three, except in every season of Buffy the Vampire. Shit, <laughs> except in every piece of vampire literature I can reference off the top of my head. Come to think of it, aside from Dracula, <laughs> <laughs> aside from the first one, and even then a little bit, even then a little bit. <laughs> Okay, um, but definitely infiltration. Yeah, like because you've got the teeth, right? You could pretend to be teeth. a vampire super easily. If if uh, if we're running off um, vampire the requiem or vampire the what have you, the new stuff, sure, the new shit. New um, every va- every vampire, the second they meet each other for the first time, they get a they get a, a fight flight response. Right. So you can always tell if someone's pretending to be a vampire. Because you don't get that fight flight response. Oh. Um, however, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, just don't use it's, that. It's a stupid rule. It's a really weird rule. Like no one remembers to put it in the game because, like, because like ah, you meet a fellow kindred. You two shit yourselves. You two murder him. <laughs> and that that's it's it's a bit that doesn't that doesn't happen. It's like it's like an evolved form of rock track. There's infiltration. There's trying to infiltrate vampire parties, which I quite like. And you've got like I imagine vampires would be pretty boring people, right? Like they've got an infinite time to do stuff in. They're so self-obsessed. Yeah. Lots of brooding. Ugh. All right, maybe this wasn't the best idea. (laughs) Okay. How about how about a great idea? Oh please, please. Okay, no suggests Dragon's Den. Play some business types who must sneak into a dragon's lair to pitch them your shitty inventions and business plans. Part dungeon crawl, part apprentice. You are playing horrid gnomes 
you are playing a cadre of gnome inventors. And you must sneak in, and you uh, you've been kicked out of every, of, of, of every of every viable bank and investment company in the in the Seven Kingdoms. And so you started to do black magic investments, sorry, black market investments, which involved breaking into a uh, a dragon's den, murdering their kobold guards, and then persuading them to buy I don't know your new kind of thermal mug. <laughs> it's an app, but we've dropped one of the letters. What? Tumblr. Oh, I see. So I thought, Tumblr. So it's like a. Yeah, no, we we lost it on the way when the kobolds had it. Okay. <laughs> we had to try to distract the kobolds. <laughs> so it's missing an e. Very sorry. Okay, we're vowel loose. How about okay? Okay. How about this? So rather than say um, normal inventions or apps or what have you, this is about. Mass production of magic items. Okay, so you need the XP and the and the gold. You need the XP. You need the gold. You need the dragon's resources to to help you produce this magic item. And you have this new pattern on a magic item which is going to blow the socks off everyone. Mm-hmm. So you get a. So I I figure you get. That's a, what the invention does. It applies and then blows socks off of everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's 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 called the sockener. <laughs> uh, there's a switch with socks or no socks and an arrow. What do you think? <laughs> Invest. <laughs> and everyone's standing around in 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 the aristocrat's pose at the end, <laughs> balancing on one foot. Uh, that's the thing. I, I keep trying to write the big idea. I think I, I love the big idea in Snake Oil very yeah. much as games. I think they're really interesting, and I think that there's 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 something to be said for. Okay, so you've got this magic item. It does this, and like like you could you, know, you can pick from these strengths. Uh, but you also have to uh, pick from these weaknesses as well. And the more weaknesses you put in, the more strengths you can have. So you kind of get an overall balance of an item. It depends on what cards you've drawn. But wonderfully, at the end, you then play a normal game of D&D set, set 500 years in the future after the mass production of these things or after, very well, I'll make this ultimate evil staff, but just the one for testing purposes. <laughs> we'll do a limited run for beta. We'll do yes. We'll, we'll, we'll do a limited edition for the real staff heads out there, and uh, and you can make that you can make that work. I think which could be fun, and like and like you've actually got stats which build up the magic items as well. So what might be quite interesting is if you had a fairly deep and involved um, magic item system, mm-hmm. uh, so you can create stuff, and then you you have to use that that magic item to get to the dragon. Okay. Like, you got to get through the dungeon and you can use your magic item to help you. With your shitty magic With item. With your shitty magic item. Mm. And, like, the one you've got at the moment is the prototype, so it breaks. It malfunctions. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially, you have a the equivalent of a wild magic table. Mm-hmm. But it's haywire invention table. Absolutely. And then once you get to the end, in whatever state your artifact is currently, you have to pitch it to the dragon so that it doesn't just fucking eat you. You have to try and sell bugs as features. Yeah. I quite like that. I quite like bugs as features, honestly. As, 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 far, as far as the name goes. Yeah. No, it's, 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 well, I mean, it would be, it would be dragons. I want to put some, look, I, I really like this idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's got legs. I want to put something. I, th- I think it's our idea for the week as well. I think it's pretty solid. I want to put something forward mm-hmm. 
Philo Hazard is written in with Illegal Underground Blimp Racing League, or IUBRL for short. IUBRL. IUBRL. Now, there's something very exciting about the thought of underground blimps. Yeah, just all in like, like there's ten blimps, but in the in the basement level of a car park. They're really straining the old propellers. <laughs> so, the I don't know whether it means underground as in physically. physically underground or underground as in illegal or both. Because both is funny. Well, yes, but like I was allowing the word illegal to take care of that and then taking mm. underground literally. <laughs> so how about need for speed underground, mm-hmm. except it's more need for blimp. Okay. So you're moving at full blimp speed, which I believe is about 30 miles an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how fast they went. Uh, probably fairly fast. I mean, not yeah, like, I not like lightning fast, though. but yeah. fast. fast so imagine this. Mm-hmm. You and your brave party are dragging behind you through this nightmarish dungeon, an enormous wooden cart. Mm-hmm. And it's like packed to the gills. It's got a tarp over the top, like straining to keep everything down. Mm-hmm. You fight your way through this dungeon until it fi- you finally open into a cavern. Massive underground caverns, stalactites, all sorts of stuff. Built into the walls, there's like a, a sort of shanty city, you know, it's like rickety wooden buildings, but into the walls mm-hmm. of the cavern, giant stalagmite in the middle. And the entire place is lit up like a fucking NASCAR rally. There's searchlights going around. Goblins are on top of like checkerboard pattern finish lines hooting. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Goblin NASCAR. How much money do you want? Goblin NASCAR. Underground Goblin NASCAR. They run blimps. They're doing all sorts of weird shit. They're strapping like dragons backwards to the back of these things. So they have like a jet engine. Oh man! And these things are going fast. And there's a the dragons. Sorry, do dragons suck air, suck air in through their ass to breathe fire? Well, no, they I'm must just, do, I guess. I'm, I'm I'm trying to replicate a jet engine without the science of a jet engine. Going. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um. You, okay. You get a you get a steel pipe and superheat it. Like this is not as interesting as a backwards dragon. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, you got backwards dragons. You've got all the different kinds of monsters. You've got minotaurs lugging things around. And like, there's certain points. Where the, as, you, as as the first person crosses a line, it very slowly like just opens a hatch in the ceiling, like it's mm-hmm. it's obvious everybody knows about it. But as they cross that line, it opens a hatch that allows gelatinous cubes to fall out. Mm. Now, normally gelatinous cube not really a problem. You sort of walk away from it. However, if mm. you've got a sort of sort of linen balloon, hmm. A gelatinous cube is a terrible idea. That, that's a bad seat. It's going to get in your blue. Then it's, it's going to kind of start messing up in your um, in your canopy. Yep. And then there's there's a tight slalom bit with like all of these all of these uh, holes in the walls through which purple worms live. There's one guy who's got this. He's got he's got this. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a kind of a, a sorcerer with this one man blimp, and it all seems it all seems very um, organic and regular. Uh, and then, as you uh, as he overtakes you, you realise it's a beholder he's strapped a, a lawn chair to. Yeah, and filled with helium. Well, they already fly. No, I like the idea of him being slightly stretched out. 
Yeah. I mean, like, so my favourite part of, of any racing game is the power-ups you can throw at other players, which yeah. is why I don't play a lot of Ridge Racer. You're correct, yeah. Oh, sorry, my favourite part of any racing game is Crash for Cash. But um, <laughs> My favourite part of any racing game is Wipeout. You know what, that's a really good part. <laughs> like, it's just Wipeout. You take... You take the idea of like that sort of kart racing mm. or like wacky races, I guess. Yeah, wacky races. Se- wacky races se- seem to have more in the realm of sort of internal weapons they'd bring rather mm. than stuff they'd pick up on- along the way. So I'm going to suggest here a very specific game. Okay, and that is the Banjo Kazooie karting game. Because the Banjo Kazooie karting game on, the, on do, you, do, do you mean Diddy Kong Racing? No, I mean Banjo Kazooie. The f- that was, hang on, nuts and bolts. Yes, on the Xbox right, 360. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Because what you got there was you got you didn't there were no vehicles. You didn't pick this vehicle or this vehicle. You mm. picked some wheels, mm. a top bit, a spoiler maybe, a place to put your bird, and all of the equipment in the game is attachments for the vehicle, and you've got like. Like you're playing a mecha game, you've got attachment points, and different chassis have different attachment points. Mm. So maybe this one's got a load of forward attachment points, and that means that you've got a lot of front-facing weapons. So the idea is that you want mm. to be below first, and then kill everybody in front of you. And this one's and got a load of back that. ones, so you've got a load of engines, but not a lot of control, and you can change the way the game works. I don't think an idea this solid design deserved to have the Banjo-Kazooie license and aesthetic slapped on it. I don't want to put. Oh, you mean sorry? You mean the the video game? The the game itself. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. We're not making the banjo. Yes. No. That's what I'm saying. Don't worry. So the the game is the game is bad. Nuts and bolts is terrible. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a what widely reviled from. But the fact that you built your own vehicle was cool as hell. Mm. Um, And like all of your okay, you can have characters who build, maintain, and drive blimps. And like and like and like you've got like wizards who can supercharge the blimps. Yeah, spells just do extra stuff. Oh, I mean, like magic missiles still a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You can still attack the people on the other vehicles, but it's it's got, goblin underground racing. And you've got you've got like fighters swinging between balloons and stuff, yeah. kicking people off. And is it is and it, dealing with the gelatinous cubes that are gently melting through the top of your blimp. And the the, the purple worms. Trying to kill you and all sorts of stuff. Like there's there's, like you, there's natural hazards. There's traps. You had me at the. You emerge into this into this underground cavern, and it is lit up like a fucking Christmas tree, and all the goblins oh, are like. And you can't perfect. make out what's going on with the music because it's all bass and too loud. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, that's absolutely. sort of like you're standing next to the speaker of this like Goblet. throbbing music. Goblin music is played from within cars. Yes, which you want, which you which you, you can be in the car if you'd like, but also being outside of the car is fine. Yeah, it's like you know those YouTube videos of those people of those cars that have been modified with such big subwoofers that people's hair moves. Yeah, it's that, but in that. an enormous echoing cavern. Goblin technology focused on two things: blimps and stereo systems. <laughs> blimps and fat beats. Blimps and in-car entertainment. Yeah. Ice. It, I'm so down with this shit. Mate, mate I'm really into it. But like, I really, like, that's the thing. Cause they, they did sort of a Mad Max um, racing game for the um, for the Nine Hells book for D&D recently. Right, okay. 
this is much more fun than that. Yeah, because goblins are involved. This is great. You can fly. Yeah. Now, I suppose falling off might be kind of unfun. Oh, you see, that's why you give everybody grappling hooks. Yes, perfect. And, like, you don't want people to fall off? Okay, use one of your attachment points for a railing. That's you why know? we tie ten pigeons to every single participant. Does that work? Never. We theorised that upon falling, the pigeons would begin to flap their rings. <laughs> we do this because we have a sponsorship with Neil's Communications. Neil's Communications for when you definitely need to get a message via pigeon to a friend. That is a bad tagline for them. It's not. It's it's on the nose. <laughs> T-Mobile. Can we call it Blimp Underground? Yes. Because I think that's got that's got a nice ring to it. I think the what what what, what, what the name was? Can we, yeah, Ayuberal. No. Ayuberal. That's that's hard Ayubaral. to say. Sorry. Ayuberal could be the could be the Goblin King. No, that's the announcer. Ayuberal. Ayuberal. Like Ayuberal. Like 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 the the Goblin announcer for Blood Bowl. You know, mm. like he's screaming about every it's single secret. thing that's he's happening. So excited. Yeah. And he's, now, he's, got, he's got like a magic megaphone. Do you want this to be a role-playing game or would this be more fun as a computer game? It would be easier as a computer game, but it would also yeah. be cool as a role-playing game. Or maybe a, quite... maybe like a board game, yeah, but with okay. role-playing elements. The height, element, the height would be tricky to do in a, in a board game. I'd, I'd be interested to see what, what could happen about sort of like, yeah, like, like, like ricocheting through and having you definitely play a bouncy dirigible. Rather than rather than the sort of dirigible that hits a wall and then like the the, the balloon, balloon rips and everyone dies. Yeah, just a fire. <laughs> it's just screaming. We didn't realise they might hit a wall. Oh, the pigeons are on fire! It's over, everyone. Go home. Go to your wives. <laughs> Hug your children. <laughs> Remember this day. No, it's more like yeah, and it comes off. Yeah, that's cool. And like, and like, you have blimps trading paint and screeching around the barriers mm-hmm. because they didn't turn properly. I guess like the more damage you take, the uh, the slower you'd go because your balloon would deflate a bit. Yeah, and like you like you sort of go lower and like oh, in fact, the lower you go, the more dangerous it is. But the faster you go, I don't, I don't know. know why, but like you just a reason to make it worth going low. I figure, um, like the lower you go. It, as you sustain damage, like there's more and more dangerous shit down there, and so it means that you're probably going to get caught and and like and like dashed asunder on the rocks, or I don't know, I don't I don't think killed. Wait, Chris, Chris, this is pod racing. Yes, it's pod racing, right? Oh no, it's just pod racing, isn't it? It's wipeout pod racing. What's wrong with that? No, that's that's, that's right. That's good. Like, so those... mean, this is a role playing game. Oh no, this is just D and D. Yeah, we put goblins in it. You're right. It's good now. <laughs> We took out Jar Jar Binks. It's sorted. Yeah, it's all good. Thank you for listening to Hearty Dice Friends, episode 134. Yeah. Or 43. I forget which way around it is. Uh, 154. Fuck me. Yeah, that's right. 154. <laughs> um, I'm pleased to announce that time has no meaning anymore, but you already knew that. We adore you. If you adore us in a monetary sort of way, you can go to Hearty Dice Friends at discord.com. Net. No, we're going to try that one again. <laughs> Discord.net! Discord.net! Patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends. And I would like to issue a formal apology 
to everyone listening because I haven't had my coffee yet. That explains which is why so which is much. why I sound like this. <laughs> now, um, yes, you can go along. You can you you can throw some money at our Discord.net, um, and you can come and hang out in the Discord, which is nice. And it doesn't have a .net, and you can learn all of our secret plans, which we definitely have. Yeah, I'm gonna get coffee. You need anything? Yeah, I'll have I'll have coffee. Cool. Okay, I'll I'll throw it real hard to Sheffield. Thank you. Open your window more than a crack. I literally can't. Well, I, I, you know what? I really hope it goes in point first. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> Love you lots, listener. Bye. Bye. Bye.